Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane, for another enticing, amazing, uh, roaring, uh, riveting, anything that would be in front of a movie poster by a critic, you know, something something they put on there. That's what tonight is going to be, another great, if you will, episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Um, and of course, tonight we have my wonderful co-host, uh, Chris, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Got a fresh haircut, trimmed down the beard, cracked open a beer. Oh. I'm uh, ready, ready for the show. Feeling pretty over here. How about you, Dane? How are you, man? I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that whole entire thing. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, we didn't really have a lot to talk about this week at all. Um there wasn't some other type of force within wrestling that just started like, you know, really hitting it hard uh, within any type of public light. You know, there, there, there was nothing like that. This way. actually there was, and that's why we're, we're, we're going to be, you know, talking to you primarily about what you want to hear from us. And that is all elite wrestling and the rally that was on Tuesday, yesterday, actually. Forgot about that, Chris. That's not good. Not the crack open up of this monster. I can already. All right, there we go. Um, we're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna break that down on the show today, guys. And uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about WrestleMania and giving uh, some predictions. Maybe, maybe some uh, far-fetched. I don't know. I don't know what 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 your nature is as far as everything. But me, me and Chris are gonna discuss it before we get to any of that. Uh, we weren't on air last week. Uh, we just came back from from break, basically. Me and Chris from a little Christmas break from our wonderful jobs that gave us Christmas breaks and stuff. Um, and uh, we decided to take an off week because Wrestle Kingdom was a week previous. Of course, also we'll be talking about Wrestle Kingdom. I forgot about that. Um, Wrestle Kingdom, you know. Or was going to be that weekend, basically. So we took an off week. You know, we didn't do it for New Year's. We worked diligently through the holidays for you. So, um, unfortunately, the last week, actually, I think a week on Wednesday, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund 
uh, an amazing um, wrestling announcer, uh, known for his doing his interviews uh, through AWA throughout the early 80s, into, of course, I think that a lot of people would know him uh, through, for the WWF uh, throughout the late 80s into the early 90s, and then going to WCW. And um, unfortunately, uh, he passed away at the age of 76, I believe. And uh, it sucks. That one definitely, uh, I, I felt it. Um, you know, and I think Ric Flair said it's like the best is that he was on Busted Open and he said that Mean Gene was just as important as certain wrestlers and is looked upon, you know, in the same regard as certain wrestlers of his era. And I, I do agree with that. Uh, Chris, obviously you heard the news. Uh, give us any type of Mean Gene story or, uh, whatever you want to say, man. It's very unfortunate. Uh, as I think most wrestling fans growing up, I, I watched and, and loved Dean Oberlin. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. one of the best, if not the best, uh, person to ever host an interview. And all the role is someone that's just there to host interviews. Very important to a lot of my favorite promos. Um, some very great moments with Ric Flair come to mind. One where Ric Flair says, shut up, fat boy, which is like one of my all-time favorite Ric Flair lines. <laughs> he's, he's kind of been around, you know, through it all, through AWA, WWF, and, you know, through WCW, um, and then back to, to WWF, which is kind of crazy. And it wasn't even that long ago that we saw him on the 25th anniversary of Raw, you know, interviewing AJ Styles. So it's kind of crazy, definitely a sad loss. Um, enjoyable watching him on things like the Legends House and just, Hearing him do, you know, interviews and even uh, some of the sit-down things they used to do back before the WWE Network, I think on the roundtable show they had, he would he would be on there and just hearing him talk about his business. And uh, just just sad loss overall. Um, hell of a career. I don't think he'll ever be forgotten. Obviously, the Hall of Famer, and uh, we'll I'll miss Mean Gene for sure. So. Me, woo, gee. God, what an incredible amount of interviews between some of our favorite wrestlers. I mean, I think the ones that are known the most are probably the four arguably biggest names within professional wrestling in the 80s, which would be Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, which he loved to do those interviews apparently, and then Randy Savage and uh, Ultimate Warrior, which apparently he was not too big of a fan of doing those ones. Uh, a little bit combustible, probably on Macho Man's end, but I mean, memorable. Just it, whether it be the tear in his eye, Ric Flair promo, where where Mean Gene gets mad at probably Pat Patterson in the background and tells him to put a cigarette out, cigarette out during the fucking interview. Go back and watch that. It's pretty funny. It's very comical. Uh, to all the stuff, I mean, he was so huge for Hulk Hogan, and I thought it was very, it was awkward as shit. Uh, but somewhat fitting for for Hulk to uh, you know talk about him on on Monday Night Raw, and I, I his scenario that he played in this set I hope is is true. Um, you know, I hope I, I, Jr. said that he hoped that Bobby the Brain Heenan showed up with uh, toilet paper on his shoe stuck to his shoe at the gates at the pearly gates. So that's a nice little thing to think about. Um, you know, just like. Gorilla Monsoon. It just sucks that uh, this happens constantly, and it definitely makes you feel older, and it's uh, tragic, but, you know, I think he lived his life to the fullest, 
from what all of the people that knew him say. And uh, as long as he was happy, I mean, he had a pretty damn awesome career. I guess that's all that really matters. But we'll miss you, Mean Gene. Rest in peace. We'll give you 10 seconds, and then we'll go into Wrestle Kingdom. All right. Thank you, guys. It's good to give respect to those who deserve it. But, you know, there was also this thing that happened this last weekend, Chris, uh, called Wrestle Kingdom 13, actually. Um, It's pretty awesome. You know, before we go into the matches, I was kind of curious. Overall, what were your opinions on this Wrestle Kingdom compared to years before that and just in general? There were some very high highs and some very weird lows. Um, Obviously, it was a weird show in general with AEW right around the corner and everyone kind of knowing that was a thing and a lot of these wrestlers that being on the card. uh, It affected the matches, I think, the way that they would have normally booked a Wrestle Kingdom and obviously losing the talent that they're losing is going to have that effect. But there was also some really great matches and, and even some really good matches from people that aren't going to be there anymore. So they still showed up and performed at a high level. It just looked kind of weird. It, it, I mean, it felt the whole show kind of had a cloud about it, if that makes sense, outside of a few matches. Um, and just that looming knowledge of knowing that the Bullet Club or the Bullet Club slash the Elite as we know it isn't going to be the same after this wrestling. And that's kind of that was kind of my takeaway going, you know, into the show and then coming out of the show. Um, for better or worse, I, sh- I should say. Yeah, I agree. I think that well, I mean, Dave Metzler, I think, said it the best. I think that a lot of the matches at the beginning of it, they're good. And uh, two of them in particular, the first one and then the uh, submission, submission match basically between um, w- w- man, Ishii and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. They're, they're both, they were great matches, all of them, but they were just very shortened. They felt like they needed to breathe, basically. Like, they were still great stuff in the ring, but... I mean, I think that the junior uh, heavyweight um, tag uh, match completely got I – don't, I don't think anyone was over Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. It just – it seemed rather clunky for New Japan, and I've only been a fan for, for a short amount of time, but going back and watching stuff previously, uh, their pay-per-views, I've, I've really respect usually how they structure stuff compared to what I'm used to. Um, and this one, I mean, I, I don't think the matches should have been a different position. It just seemed – it seemed – Kind of rushed, but then we also had amazing uh, last couple matches that were great. They were great. But, yeah, the biggest thing is all lead wrestling starting. Uh, we know people are, are done with their contract. We found out the day of Kenny was, de- like, was definitely leaving. Now, we'll get into the whole entire gist of that, whether at first there was – apparently there's a two to three – million dollar offer from WWE. But then there's also now a lot of reports saying they go to AEW. We won't find out until the end of this month because this is last month with New Japan. So there's all that. There's the Young Bucks. We just knew how matches were going to go. So it was kind of, it took a lot of the fun out of it. And maybe, um, I don't know about you, Chris, but at least with me, maybe I was just putting, since I, I expect, maybe I expect basically a lot of New Japan 
and maybe I shouldn't uh, to some extent. Or, or uh, you know, I, I, I don't know really exactly what I'm trying to say is because I really enjoy the pay-per-view. I just we'll, – we'll get into it. How about that? How about we start this whole entire thing off? Um, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I remember watching the Never Open Weight six-man tag team match, but I have no idea. Like, I don't remember the match itself. I watched it after the whole entire pay-per-view because I didn't realize it was on a pre-show. I know Suzuki was angry in it. Apparently, he was pissed off that he was on the pre-show, which is beside the point. Uh, But I'll just tell you guys, most violent players, they won it. So now they're the number one contenders to the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship. I don't have more to say about that. Let's get to the first match. I think everyone considers this the first match because it's on the official pay-per-view and because it really lit the pay-per-view on fire to start off with. And that's Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi in a singles match for the Never Openweight Championship. This match was fucking crazy, like we thought it was going to be. Um, now, the thing is, we New Japan gave us uh, information afterwards that Kota Ibushi did suffer a concussion. Now, I don't know if they're just saying that for kayfabe reasons and this whole entire thing at the end was kayfabe, but Will Ospreay kicked, or didn't kick, uh, whatchamacallit, elbowed the shit out of Kota Ibushi. Uh, it looked bad. I mean, it, it was a it was an awesome match, but it was definitely a match from the two of them where they're both putting their bodies online, just annihilating each other, um, and it ended like that, and it's you know, Chris, if, if there was even a concussion involved, if that, that is truthful, you know, and I don't know why New Japan would say that on their Twitter platform if there were, you know, if, if it wasn't. Uh, but, like, why I, – I, I don't understand why they have to go to that level. It reminds me of the Shibata headbutt, you know, or the whatever the hell that uh, Dragon Lee gave to Takahashi. It's like the match is incredible, and then they have to throw that extra thing to put it just over uh, – not over as in good, but like over the line, if, or not even the line, just violent and and career ending style shit, you know. And, and maybe I'm, I'm I'm thinking a little bit too much, but when you saw this, did you go? There's probably an injury involved because that's immediately what I thought before anyone started confirming it. I mean, definitely towards the end of the match, you could tell that Abushi wasn't really responding to the ref, you know, Red Shoes, in the way that you would expect. So there, something, something happened. I don't, I don't know that I caught the exact moment, um, but definitely you, you could tell that something wasn't right towards the end of the match. I, you know, it's a very hard felt match. This is their WrestleMania. You knew this was going to be a hard hitting match. One thing I'll say is Osprey seems to get himself in these situations a lot. Um, in these kind of matches where either him or whoever he is wrestling ends up with a, you know, an injury of some sort, usually busted open or, or uh, something like that. But uh, if I, I mean, if it was, if it, if, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's one of those fine lines with new Japan. And we've talked about it multiple times on the show. It, it's, hard because how much do you want them to dial it back because this to me this was one of the better matches on the card and one hell of a way to start off the match um i i mean i still think kota abushi is probably the biggest star that new japan has if pushed properly i think that he is probably the closest replacement they would have for someone like tanahashi they just need to get him kind of over the hump um and i think winning g1 would do a lot for him if they wanted to go that route but 
uh, yeah, just just interesting in general. But I, I agree with you. I, I didn't like I said I'm right offhand. I can't remember the exact moment, um, the exact time that it happened. But I do remember the end of the match with Abushi kind of not being all there, kind of having a little bit of cobwebs. So. Who knows if he does have a concussion, it happens. We've seen it happen a ton in WWE in matches that are just not hard hitting, just total mistakes. So, you know, these guys are going after each other. Sometimes accidents are going to happen. Um, unfortunate if, 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 you know, Kushida or not Kushida, Kota Ibushi does have, you know, a concussion, that's going to suck because I think that, like I said, I think that he is one of their top stars right now, and, and they're obviously losing a lot of talent. I think this would be the time that he would get a major push. So hopefully it's nothing too bad. It's something that he can come back from quickly. Um, obviously not too quickly because concussions can be a scary thing. But, yeah, it, it's uh, it's weird, but it's one of those things we talk about almost every New Japan pay-per-view <laughs> with these hard-hitting matches. So I, I don't know that we'll ever end up not talking about this and with the way they're currently working but I mean it, it's hard to you know it's hard to say but the way the way they played through and the way that they're selling it it does seem that way if I was them I would steer clear of that just because of what happened you know with with uh in the in that Okada, uh, the Okada match um, with Shibata like I would try to stay away from those angles but you know they book their thing uh, they book it very realistically and injuries happen and, and maybe they are going that route but they who the hell knows? Uh, but to me, it looked like he was a little out of sorts. I, I could be wrong, though. Yeah, apparently where they thought it happened was right at the end, he goes and does a running either knee or elbow right to the back of Kota's head and then had to, like, basically, unless he was – and Kota Bushi is an amazing seller. So unless he was selling it, he was basically did him into his finisher and then did it and got the win. Um so I don't even know if that was like a the ref said let's go whatever either either way I mean it was a great match honestly it might have been my second favorite match of the night period after uh, Omega and Tanahashi um, I thought it was an awesome hard hitting match um, but like I said I I just don't want I don't want to see one of these guys get hurt and like you alluded to uh, Will Osprey kind of has a thing about being around this situation uh, from pay per view to pay per view it's like wanting people to remember you, but I don't know. I'm, I'm no one to judge someone's, someone's art form. Uh, but I just hope that people don't get hurt because of it or some shit. Let's go to the next match. Los Incoronables de Capone, Bushi and, uh, Tagagi, uh, defeated Suzuki gun. And also, uh, what should we call it? Uh, Rapongi three K. And, um, I don't, this, this is one of those matches. This was a, such a lull period because of all that, uh, that it kind of, it was over before it even started. I will say that I don't know much about Shingo Takaki, but I really liked him and he had a lot of charisma and at least showed up in this. Uh, but yeah, dude, LIJ, you're going to see a theme throughout the whole entire night. They gobbled up, um, titles whenever they were part of a match. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, Chris, do you have anything to say about this match? No, I mean it, it was it was nice to see. I, I like where they're going with Lig or Lij, sorry, and um, just this. I, I don't know. I you know me. I'm not a big fan of three way matches to begin with, and then when it's a tag team three way match, it's hard to have a good one. I think these guys did the best within that format that they could do 
Um, it was an entertaining match to watch. Definitely not one of my favorites on the card. And if you were, if you're the kind of person that's going to skim through a pay-per-view, this would be probably one that I would, I mean, skip unless you just really want to, you know, see a tag team championship change hands. Um, and I, I'm not saying that to hate on anyone in this match. It's just if you don't like three-way matches like me, you're probably not going to be a huge fan of this match, even though I thought it was, you know, worked well. It's just the confines of a three-way tag team match in general. It doesn't really lead anyone to having a wonderful or an amazing match. I think I've seen, like, two or three three-way singles matches I've actually liked in my lifetime. So um, I kind of have a harsh <laughs> harsh stance on, on three-way matches in general and throw a tag team element in there. It's a little, it's even worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the fact that this not, not only is it a, a triple threat tag match, but the first match, you know, between Osprey and Ibushi was 18 minutes and 13 seconds. This was six minutes and 51 seconds. So if you blink like I did, it was done. I mean, that's just how it was. But it served its purpose and brought us to the next match, which honestly, Chris, I think it was. It's up there, you know. It's it's definitely one of my favorite matches. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. Uh, with of course Tonga Mishinoku in his corner defeating Tomohiro Ishii for the British Heavyweight Championship of Revolutionary Pro Wrestling. Uh, Eleven minutes thirty seven seconds. Awesome match. Lots of stretching. If you don't like submission work, this might not be your cup of tea. But I just love the way Zack Saber Jr. is able to pull off some of his grappling out of nowhere. And these guys beat the living hell out of each other. Even though there was obviously a size difference, Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't make it look like a disadvantage on his end. Uh, it just, it was fun. It was intense. And the end of it had, you know, Zack Sabre having Ishii's arms back so badly he couldn't tap out and actually had to verbally tap out to the ref. Chris, what do you think about this match? Uh, Ishii's just incredible, like still phenomenal to watch, uh, in the ring, which is kind of crazy. There's one great spot in the match where Ishii just chops the ever-loving shit out of Zack Sabre and then, uh, hits him with a power bomb. And then there's like a headbutt sequence right after there into like a lariat or something. And, and it's just like, Ishii's an absolute monster. I almost like him better when he's striking than doing the submissions. But I think they played that into the match really well. It's like he got frustrated um, with them going back and forth through, you know, these different submission holds. And then towards the end of the match, you really saw Ishii start just fighting, like strong style, slapping the fuck out of Sabre. And and uh, I thought that was, you know, neat a neat change towards the end of the match. And uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the match. I, it was cool to see Sabre get a win. Um it, it kind of, I mean, a good, a really good match. It's just a, it's a good match on a card that had some, some great matches, <laughs> or at least a great match. Yeah. So it's, it's one of, but I, but I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a fun match. It, and I will preface that, that the same as you. If you're not huge into submissions back and forth, then this might not be the match for you. But that's kind of a lot of Zack Saber Junior matches. So absolutely, and. You know, I, the one thing I, I love about uh, Ishii is he kind of reminds me of Taz, not so much stylistically, uh, but the fact that they can both come off as intimidating based on their size, you know. I mean, they're just like these little aggressive, 
you know, wrestling dudes that you don't want to fuck with, but they're actually shorter than you would expect. Um, and also, one of the things that's the coolest thing about Ishii that Taz used to do, too, is if he's taking punishment, all of a sudden, split second, he's back into, like, I want to screw you. Like, it's it's motivating him to get smacked. And I, I, I think I know what you're talking about, the chop. It might have been another spot, but it might have been the same one if he followed up by a powerbomb. But Zack Sabre Jr. is amazing at making his size like the way he carries it for a chop specifically, because I've seen Ishii and Walter chop him, and he looks literally like his body folds in half when it happens. And it's, it's great stuff. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Next match, we had uh, Lij Sonata and Evil going against Gorillas of Destiny, uh, the good guy Tamatanga and Tongalo with uh, Good Luck Fale and Jado, and then the Young Bucks. Uh, that were in this match for, uh, well, they wanted to put them on the pay-per-view. So, duh. Um, but, yeah, this is actually this is a really good tag match, good back and forth. Um, Sonata and Evil ended up winning. I, I like that Tomatonga is now doing this bogus, like, he's, he's a baby face, and he's trying to, like, you know, restrain order and, like, you know, apologize every, to everyone the night, the night before. Didn't really do anything for their win, uh, but... You know, it's it's fun character work, and I really do like Tomatonga. You know, he's he's a different he's a he's a fun type of crazy, kind of piperish, if you will. Um, but yeah, they were at one point he he makes Tonga Loa like help him move the rope for the person to get because they, you know originally he was trying to screw him over. Like it was like little things like that that were just funny. But I mean, I I think that's the only memorable stuff really from the match. You probably saw the the normal spots. There there was kind of a depressing demeanor about the guys leaving, whether it be, you know, the Young Bucks, even Cody uh, and Kenny. Well, Kenny not so much, but definitely the Bucks and Cody where it just, I don't know, if this is their last match there, it should have been, it should have, they should have pumped it out like, you know, it just, it it didn't seem, it's it seemed weird in certain areas. And this is definitely one of them with the Bucks being there because they were just there. And then Sonata and Evil obviously won. L.I.J. got another stack of titles. Chris, what did you think about this match? I mean, I think the big thing, the big takeaway here is the, you know, building Tamatanga. Um, I, I think they needed to get those tag titles off of them so that they could start building him because they're looking at all the talent that they're losing, and I think Tamatanga is one of their best promos, really good in the ring, obviously has a fan following, uh, I think that they looked at that and said, hey, we need to get the titles off of them. It makes sense for Evil and Sonata to pick it up. And the Young Bucks kind of seemed like they were just thrown in there. And I think Kevin Kelly even, uh, I don't know, Kevin Kelly almost buried them a little bit <laughs> in the lead-up to that match and then throughout the match kind of just making comments about the fact that they were leaving and kind of leaving for good. And I think that did cast a little bit of a shadow over the match. And it's also not the um, – it's not the young bucks that I think that I would want to see go if they're go, if they're leaving Japan. You know, if this was their last match, this wouldn't be the match I'd want to see them go out on. Um, obviously, Matt Jackson's still selling his back, which I thought was weird since they're leaving the company. Like his like building that in didn't really matter, but I guess it plays you know plays into the storyline, even though it's been happening since like uh, I mean pretty much the entire year, right? Going back to the Gold Lovers match. So, you know, it's uh, I would have rather just seen them have, like, a balls-out tag match or something, or 
just it was okay. Once again, it's a three-way tag match. Not a huge fan of those in general. Um, and it did it did have like a weird feel to it. Even even from the commentary team, it had kind of a weird feel. Um, the commentary was and weird I, the whole entire. Yeah, agreed. Um, specifically, this Kevin Kelly. Is- uh, yeah, and this one in particular, it seemed like they were. I wouldn't say taking shots, but obviously they were doing the WWE thing where they were talking about Matt and Nick Jackson a lot, almost more than what was happening in the ring, which is never one of my favorite things to uh, occur, especially since they're leaving your company. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Some of the girls' destiny stuff was great. I think, you know, getting the titles off them makes a lot of sense because I feel like, you know, Tamatunga is going to be being pushed. I don't see any way around that. They're going to be backfilling five to six roster spots. And a lot of those yeah. guys were at the top of the card, so it's going to be weird to see what they do from here. I, I you know, I think they're getting a good start at it, but, yeah. Uh, and with LIJ, you know, kind of on a roll, uh, makes sense that you could also, you know, go that route with NATO well leading into G1. You know, they're going to – this stuff is going to be drawn out quite a bit more than what you would see at WWE with it being New Japan, but – you know, I, obviously, I think NATO is also a guy that you can point to and go, okay, maybe maybe he could be your your next big star. And I've been saying that for a long time. So, well, let's hope because he, he honestly, I think, really deserves that title again around his waist. But now with his obvious new uh, style gimmick. But yeah, another match that followed up and was even stranger. Honestly, was the next one. Uh, that last match was ten minutes sixteen seconds. Uh, then we had the IWGP United States Championship, Juice Robinson against Cody, the champion, with Brandy. Match was short. Brandy got in the match. I mean, literally speared Juice Robinson at one point and started wailing on him. Uh, I just, I didn't, this is another one that, honestly, with me, you can save the nine minutes and three seconds and just skip it. Obviously, Cody's going to lose title. And uh, one thing I also do remember uh, Kevin Kelly mentioning is that Matt and Nick Jackson, especially, I think they even had the emblems, uh, Cody and Brandy all had uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, colors on. So uh, that, that that was interesting. Um, Chris, do you have any uh, comments about this match? No, I mean, it's good to – I think Juice Robinson getting the title is is probably a smart move. I think he's really proven himself through the G1 tournament, some of the, the battles that he had with Kenny Omega, some of those matches, and show that he can be a top, you know, a top competitor and at least have very, very high-level matches. So putting the, this title on him uh, makes sense. The weird thing about this title in general is uh, I wonder what New Japan's American market is actually going to look at like after the Elite and the Omega are gone. Uh so that's, you know, more of an intriguing thing is, is, is this title just going to be defunct <laughs> after this year, you know? So uh, outside of that, this seems like a, did this seems like a WWE Monday Night Raw match. Obviously Cody Rhodes was, is, is, has been hurt and is hurt going into this match. They, they didn't really do any big spots. I mean, it, this was just your basic babyface versus heel match and it was fine for what it was, but it's just the, the the following out of that opening match to what we've gotten in the past, like, you know, three or four matches we've talked about, it's just no comparison with quality. And I think it kind of showed on this card. 
And I also don't necessarily think it was the best idea to put the Young Bucks match right before the Cody Rhodes match. Um, it's almost driving home the fact that, that neither are they going to be there, whether they lost or not. I, I think that, you know, that at least as being an American viewer, it does stick in your mind. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Um, let's go to the next one. Singles match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, uh, Taji, uh, no, t- I've said his name before. Taiji Ishimori. Damn it. Uh, defeated Kushida. Uh, the match started off with uh, a really creepy uh, thing that was probably supposed to be cute, but basically a, a either a little person or a child came out, um, dressed as Kushida, you know, with the whole Marty McFly outfit. Uh, except for he had a a mask, a Kushida mask on him that's normal size that looked eerily exactly like Kushida, like one of those ones that's really freaking expensive. They probably spent more money on that mask than they did uh, some of the graphics that night. Um, and they had Takagi come out uh, dressed as Dot Brown, or Taguchi, I'm sorry, um, and uh, they, they did a thing where they, he, he basically, I guess, aged him uh, and turned him into Kushida while there was smoke. Not 100% sure because that's not really how, um, you know, the movie worked with Back to the Future. But whatever, you know, it worked. But uh, I think the match, even though they, they, they were great in the ring, and, and uh, Ishimori is amazing. Ever since I've seen him on Impact, um, I've been just wowed by – very much like a Rey Mysterio, some guy that 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 size is able to be be extremely strong and extremely agile and quick. And his banger that he had um, at the junior heavyweights, the one that he actually inevitably lost to, or lost to, um, oh man, why can't I think of his name? Chris, tonight's going to be a long night if you can't tell. Um, uh. I the. the I, I can't think of the wrestler that in that got, that got injured uh, by Dragon Lee. Um, he's the IWGP champion. Uh, I don't. Um. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Ichimori uh, won. Kushida is leaving. He's another person that's been rumored to leave for a while. Uh, I, I'm assuming he's probably going to WWE. That's where the the rumor is. I hope he doesn't get just blindsided and put on 205 Live. But then again, maybe he'll put pump some um, some stuff in it. But they're not doing anything with uh, you know with Kenta, so I don't see that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they 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 put him on a different level. Probably not. So I hope that he ends up actually at uh, APW. What did you think about this match, Chris? Yeah. It... I actually like the match. The weird thing is we had tag, we had title after title after title change in a row. Um, All of them. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed the the entrance just because it was a callback to the Time Splitters, which is uh, his tag team with Alex Shelley, one of my favorite tag teams. Absolutely incredible. Um, if he is going to either WWE or you know All Elite Wrestling, it'd be very interesting to see if he ends up with a tag partner of some sort, maybe like a Chris Saban, if Chris Saban is up in, in all elite wrestling. I think there's a lot of stuff that you could do with him or hell even. Yeah. Even though I think Alex Shelley has retired at this point, maybe he wants to come back and do something with all elite. Um, 
cool to see the time splitters get back together. Like that'd be really cool. So that was a cool little shout out to kind of his past in, in New Japan and, and probably his biggest moments there, I think, were, were part of, of the time splitters outside of winning the junior heavyweight championship. Um, so that was neat. And I, the match itself, I thought was just, a, it was a quick match. Um, I thought it was very good. I mean, both these guys are very good uh, in the ring. It was enjoyable. I liked it better than the, the previous two matches. And, um, I like Ishida a lot, and I'm interested to see where they go with him, and I like Ishimura a lot. Uh, and I think that he's a good uh, junior heavyweight. Uh, I don't know who they're going to put against him. That would be my biggest question is, you know, who are they going to build up against him right now? And I think maybe they'll just hold out until the tournament more than likely. But it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here in general. And I, I think that's a lot of what makes the show so weird. Uh, when we were talking about it earlier is just a lot of title changes, a lot of people up in the air on whether they're going to be there or not. And some good matches, but, you know, kind of matches that are just weird because they're foregone conclusions if you know, you know, I don't know that everyone knew Kushida was leaving, but I, I think definitely the previous two matches with Cody Rhodes and, and obviously the Young Bucks, that was a foregone conclusion, you know. Absolutely. By the way, it was Hiromu Takahashi is who I was thinking about earlier. Wanted to correct myself for flicking out. Sorry, guys. It's been a long day, but we're going to get through this and have a amazing episode regardless of my, uh, my, my, my state of mind. Um, let's go to the last three matches, which were all pretty fucking solid. Uh, Jay White with, uh, Gato, uh, went against Kazuchika Okada. Okada came out. It was Okada re-reborn. Uh, Okada had no balloons, red hair. He had his old tights, came out with purpose. Uh, you know, his robe, his, the same type of attitude that he used to have, revealing it to all of us. Um, and it was awesome. Um, it was basically straight up very much your your normal uh, style Okada match, um, really. And it was awesome. It was it was all over the place. There was a lot of spots like they normally have uh, within there. I think the one that I, I, I like the most is the ending, though, because they reversed the the move. Uh, what you call it? The oh my god, this is not good. Um. Chris, something. The Rainmaker? Yes. Can't remember the fucking Rainmaker. This is not good. Ah. They reversed the Rainmaker about two times at the end. Um, And finally, he got it and then immediately went for another one and got Jay White's move, and it was done. And it was over. And you'd think that, and I have no idea how Chris uh, feels, but you would think that. You know, you'd be upset as being an Okada fan, but it was actually pretty awesome how they pulled it off. And definitely gave Jay White a bit of a rub that he's probably going to need because he's probably going to be one of their biggest heels. They've already built him like that. So, Chris, did this this match work for you? Were you happy to see Okada re-reborn? How do you feel about him losing? And Jay White, is he a a very, very well-done clone of Kenny Omega for New Japan, or is he actually the leading heel for them going in the future. What do you think? You know, Jay White has continued to grow on me, as we've said when we've talked about the past couple pay-per-views. I think that, you know, he's embraced what they've given him as a heel. And he's a lot different than Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, to me, is 
even as a heel, can, you still want to like Kenny Omega. Jay White, I don't know that I want to like him as a heel. I kind of just don't want to like him at all, but he, he's just a good wrestler. Um, it's a different feel, and I, you know, he's, I think he's came a long way over I – mean, we were talking about Wrestle Kingdom last year from then to now. Uh, just kind of incredible, you know. Um, and it makes sense for them to give them the win here. And the one thing I will say, you know, we did talk about the commentary earlier. Don Callis had some great lines about Okada. I think there was one where he was like, too many minutes, too many matches, too much abuse. Specifically talking about Okada and, and how long his matches have been and his battles with Shibata and Omega three times, Tanahashi, and just basically everything that he's been through. The fact he's he was the champion in doing the G1 tournament. I think they did a great job of with Okada losing this match, him still looking strong. And I did like the ending a lot. Uh, you had that great suplex from uh, from from Jay White at the end, and then he tried for the, the Blade Runner, and then Okada just hit the tombstone, and then I was like, okay, here we go. Here starts the Rainmaker, and then it just went straight in, and uh, Blade Runner, and that was it. And, I, you know, I thought that was kind of great because you we've seen so many people kick out of the Rainmaker, kick out of the Rainmaker, kick out of the Rainmaker. And they really changed that up in this match, honestly. Uh, they didn't just go, here's a finisher, here's a finisher, here's a finisher, here's a finisher, which we're kind of used to with Kenny Omega and uh, Okada. I, I think they did something a little different here. It's fine that Okada lost. I don't think it's going to hurt him at all. Hopefully he gets some rest, and he's going to come back stronger than ever, honestly. And, and this, to me, was probably my favorite match of the night. Um, the, ne- the match we're going to be talking about, you know, shortly after, well, not the next one, but the, the, the main event we'll talk about is very, very close, but I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a very, very good match um, and kind of showed what Jay White could do, which was, was, to me, was very, very cool. Like, he's had some good matches when he was, like, the G1 matches and stuff he had were, were good, but I think this is kind of his breakout moment. And it's just, you know, Okada doesn't have bad matches. He just fucking doesn't. No, and I kind of like the fact that Okada got him with the the the, uh, the twirl, you know, uh, Rainmaker, and decided he wanted to go for another one, and that's actually what screwed him over, is that his ego. And I think uh, Don Callis is the one who commented on that, too, is that he got too much in that mindset that he was, you know, they, they, obviously he's always been Okada, but they built, the, when he lost against Kenny, he went on a different route. And now it's like, to get back to that, basically modern Nick Bockwinkle style, um, you know, uh, demeanor, persona, you know, he he went into it like he was that, like he hasn't had some of the losses that he has, and it kind of screwed him over a little bit. He he got a little bit overzealous, and I, I, I like that. Okada's only going to do better from this, and man, God, I'm so glad. The people were excited to see that style of him back, and I was too. I, I, I definitely popped. Yeah. All right. And and before we before we move on, I just want to say it, yeah. it's, you know, I would keep in mind that Okada held the title for 700 and something days. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So them, like him having this overconfidence makes sense. He lost one match against a guy he beat three times. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not, you know, 
so for him to have this overconfidence and this abundance of confidence, even with his recent slight, you know, losing streak, I, I don't want to say losing streak because it's not like he's lost 100 matches in a row or anything. It does make 100% sense. And, and shout out to Don Callis, like I said, on announcing. Cause I think this was one of the best called matches of the night as far as building storyline. But then again, a lot of the matches had weird clouds over them. So um, I just wanted to dial that back because I, I did kind of crap on the announce team a little earlier, especially Kevin Kelly. But th- there was some good commentating. It wasn't all bad. Yeah, and I think that both Don and Callis had some great points. And I forgot the third gentleman, but I feel like Don Callis was kind of taken back sometimes because that third gentleman, you know, the one that was kind of translating a lot of stuff for us, he kept on shooting back in the middle of their conversations and kind of interrupting it sometimes with a point and a good point, but it kind of kept on throwing things off. And I think you were right. Either he was kind of guided to be like this, but I don't expect, you know, uh, Gato and New Japan to be like Vince, but – Kevin Kelly seemed like he had some animosity, and Don Callis kind of seemed a little bit, at times, disassociated with everything. And Kevin had to, like, bring him back into the conversation a bit, especially he was one of the three of them. So it was kind of wonky. And especially since, honestly, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis has been probably my favorite commentating team within the last two years. The two of them together, I think, they do some awesome work. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's, that's different now, and uh, you could tell. But, I mean, still, uh, it, it was – especially the last match, they, they definitely got some good commenting. It's just, it was noticeable. All right, so we had the IWGP Intercontinental Championship no disqualification match between Tetsuya Naito and Y2J uh, Chris Jericho. Guess what? Jericho lost. I guess this is not that crazy because Chris could have stayed. But I feel like all of us were like – if. If the Bucks are going, I don't think Jericho is going to have much reason to stay there. He's probably going to go back to WWE or try some new adventures. And I know that there was a lot of rumors that Don Callis was trying to get him to come and do a little bit of a run over at Impact. Obviously, that didn't happen. Or maybe there's more to the contract. I have no idea. Either way, um, this match resembled their their uh, their original match, uh, except for a reversal. You know, Naito's in the ring. Kershaw comes out. It's all boastful. Naito already has off his whole entire tux. Just starts beating the shit out of Jericho from behind instead of the reversal. Um, except for there was also that that one spot. This one just was even more gnarly, uh, where Chris Jericho gives a spike pile driver to Naito on top of a table, and the table didn't even break. But Kevin Kelly felt where the table was, and there was like a, a hedge-shaped hole kind of carved uh, from the impact of Naito's head hitting the table. Um, maybe he made that up, but it was still just cool coloring the whole entire thing. Like I said, it wasn't very different from their other match. Um, it was kind of like your, I guess, New Japan run, Chris Jericho style of brawling and just beating the living hell out of each other. Took two Destinos to take Y2J down. And, uh, you know, even though he's not a big fan of the belt, the belt loves him. Naito wins uh, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship belt. And his whole entire group all has gold. It's pretty good. Chris, what did you think about this match? I actually enjoyed it more than their first match. Um, I like the outcome of the match, obviously. I'm a big NATO fan. And him having that belt helps build his character. He's frustrated that he doesn't have the heavyweight title. And this is like almost an insult, like a consolation prize. 
like winning second place in the beauty contest or something. And uh, the way he treated the title after he won it was kind of just harped back to that original run that he had with it, which is like one of my favorite things that came out of New Japan last year was him trying to trade the belt for candy at a gas station and just literally throwing the title in the air <laughs> out of nowhere. But the match itself is great, and Chris Jericho, once again, has continued to reinvent himself and recreate and make interesting matches, even though he can't go the same way he used to be able to go. And that's nothing against Chris Jericho. I think it's very smart. Um, it's the same thing that Terry Funk did over the years. And he's kind of embraced that, ran with it, built his character around it. Chris Jericho, to me, always worked better as a heel. I think this is a good run for him. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Uh, and All Elite, which I'm assuming, I think that was announced. I think he was one of the people announced, so uh, which we'll get into yep. later. But it's going to be interesting to see where he does there because he's going to work a slower style than the Japan style. And I... Sorry about that. Beat for speed. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, did a motorcycle but, just crash into your house? What happened? It was more like a shitty Honda Prelude. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, outside of that, I'm excited to see where he goes with that character and see how he builds upon it. And, and uh, I think working a slower style, a um, little bit more time to work, obviously, is going to be good for him in what he's currently doing. Um, but, yeah, stoked about NATO getting the title again. LIJ is running wild. That's going to be intriguing, especially with the Bullet Club leaving. You have Gorillas of Destiny and their crew. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. But I enjoyed the match. I, I did like it better than their first match. I'm not as high on it as a lot of other people were, but it, it was a good match and very entertaining. And I think needed to be in between the Okada match and the main event. I think where they placed that match actually made a lot of sense in comparison to some of the other stuff on the card. Absolutely. Let's get to the uh, the mother of all mothers. Hiroshi Tanahashi went against Kenny Omega, the champion, the IWGP heavyweight champion, um, of course, uh, with the Young Bucks in a singles match. Uh, this was an awesome match, almost 40 minutes long. Just great storytelling in the ring. They built this up very well. Someone did a compilation. I can't remember the person, but someone did a compilation of all their like press conferences leading up to this and kind of pieced it back together to give like a really good package of like you know them. Basically, whether it be kayfabe or not, they were good about making the two of them look like they don't like each other that they respect each other as performers, but one is the old guard, the other one is the new guard. There's about a six, seven-year difference between the two. And once again, harpening back to Don Callis, um, who tried to start a conversation about this but uh, with Kevin Kelly because they both could relate to the, uh, the scenario that he was talking about, but they got interrupted. But he, was, he went into it saying, Kevin, you were, you were there in 1996, like six, I think he said, uh, whatever – the, the, the screw job was um, and said, doesn't this remind you of the relationship of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels about how they couldn't stand each other as humans? And uh, Kevin was talking about the pull apart that happened in the locker room. And I really think that they kind of had, they at least made them look like they did not like each other at that level. And I liked a little bit at the end where Tanahashi kind of not no selling, but kept on like getting up and was, like, just furious and not going to let Kenny win. Um, and it didn't take 
I don't even think Kenny was able to pull up one wing angel because luckily his move's still protected. I don't think anyone's ever um, gotten out of the one wing angel itself. But it took a lot for Tanahashi to do it. He even broke his morals and went through a table uh, that was put out, placed outside from the top to the, uh, you know, his normal crossbody to the ground. Uh, it, w- it was an awesome match. Uh, lots of submission work, lots of work on Kenny's leg. You know, it kind of makes sense uh, to the same extent that you could see like a Bret Hart or anyone that, that, that works with submissions. You know, Tanahashi realized, I have the Texas Cloverleaf. I'm going to work on his and the dragon screws. I'm going to work on Kenny's legs. Then he can't give me the V-trigger, and then he can't lift me for the one-wing angel. He was still able to get him with the uh, V-trigger, so, man, those look nasty. And it was just an awesome match. Um, like I said, at the end of it, Tanahashi got the win. Um, and it was, it was a good ending. Uh, kind of lackluster a bit for Kenny for his, for his exit, but, you know, I, I think that's just how New Japan does it. But um, good match, honestly. If, if that's Kenny's last match in New Japan, at least for now, you know, maybe he goes back in the future after whatever he does. Or maybe if he's part of AEW, they have some type of partnership with New Japan, but we'll talk about that type of stuff. Um, either way, I think it was a good way to end his legacy with New Japan. Uh, and now they have to look to build some new stars. Uh, and Tanahashi very much is their John Cena. And it makes sense to give it back to the person that everyone – they can't give it to Okada right away. You know, he, he literally – we already went into it, how long he had it. But giving it to Tanahashi is someone that the fans love, that they can get behind, that's already a face of the company, and they can figure out something in the, in the between time. And anyone that's worried about New Japan, just realize they took this hit before. They lost Gallows Anderson and Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles and Finn Balor within like a – I think a year time period, all of them are gone. So they will do fine. They will continue. They will strive. But fun pay-per-view, amazing paper or amazing. Um, I think last three matches, I think that five of them were really solid, solid matches within the whole entire thing. And it was a lot of fun. Chris, how'd you feel about this main event and, uh, you know, reflect on Wrestle Kingdom 13 as a whole. I, I think it was probably my second favorite match of the night. I like the story of the grizzled veteran, the old gunslinger, Tanahashi, being mocked by Kenny Omega towards the beginning of the match. I I like the pageantry between the two. Um, Obviously, they did some things that Tanahashi doesn't normally do, which I thought was very intriguing. I I think, you know, this is probably Tanahashi's best match in a while. Um, I mean, he had one hell of a banger at G1, but this is to me, this was a little better just because it's it's kind of crazy, you know, you, you have 42-year-old Tanahashi still working at this high of a level, and I think they did a good job at pointing that out um, and pointing out, you know, the, the dislikes between these two and, and the reason they don't like each other. And even going back to Twitter and them shooting back and forth at each other, um, God, that was back, like, right after G1 when Tanahashi had won the briefcase. Uh, I think they did a really good job of building this match, and, and I have no problem with Omega losing it here. Even if he was going to stay, I think this could you could still build a feud around this and have him come back and win the title again. Um, it's crazy. You know, Omega's title run was six months, which is kind of crazy to think about uh, for, for New Japan. Um, but in this situation, it makes sense because it, it was up in the air. Tanahashi's the smart choice. 
I think you have a lot you can do with Jay White. You have a lot you can do with NATO. You still have Okada in the wings. You're still going to have the G1. There, there's a lot of time before the G1 to build up whoever is going to end up getting this belt. And maybe even before then, maybe this idol changed hands at the G1. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's going to be going on. Um, I enjoyed the match. Like I said, it wasn't my favorite of the night, probably my second favorite of the night behind the Okada uh, Jay White match, just because I think it, it helped elevate Jay White to a level that he can take off and run with. But yeah, it was, it was a great match overall. Yeah, definitely was. And uh, yeah, that's Wrestle Kingdom. All right. Well, between that, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about something uh, called SeatGeek. Guys, you know, especially what we're talking about, we're talking about wrestling. You guys like wrestling events? Do you like concerts? Do you like sporting events? Do you like opera, maybe? Theater? Any of that? Use SeatGeek. Um, We have a uh, $20 discount code. It's Geek Vibes, just like Geek Vibes Nation, G-E-E-K-V-I-B-E-S. Uh, you use that code uh, when you get the SeatGeek app on your phone or maybe just register on the website, whichever it may be. I would definitely recommend the phone app because it's so easy. I mean, after all the, the trouble of Ticketmaster and, and any of those websites, really. But SeatGeek, it just – you download the app. You can find the arena. You can find your seats. You can be done with it. It automatically charges your account. And if you download it and use it, for the first time, and use the promo code GeekVibes, you get $20 off. And, uh, you know, you help us out, we help you out. And that's the name of the game. Appreciate you guys. Try SeatGeek for any of your seating needs when it comes to events. All right. Now, let's get into All Elite Wrestling. Um we're going to go over this, guys. If it takes too long, we'll just keep it at this. I'm not going to shorten because it's a lot of information to go into. Uh, and we'll save the WrestleMania stuff for next week. Uh, I don't think there's a pay-per-view this weekend, so it'll be perfect time to talk more about that specifically. Uh, but let's talk about All Elite Wrestling. They had a rally yesterday at Jacksonville Stadium, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, if you can't tell the trend. But uh, basically the owner... Uh, is Tony Khan, and his father owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, his family does, uh, multi-billionaires, and um, apparently Mr. Khan um, has been, uh, what did Dave Metzler say, he's been a subscriber since 89 or something like that, he's a huge, huge wrestling fan, and they have a lot of money, they have a a, a very good amount of money, Um, but yeah, I'm just saying, like, in this type of situation, if they, they really lucked out, Chris, with who they, they found to be a business partner with in all this. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Nope, Coincidentally, what's that? Uh, we lost you for a can second there. Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. You, we lost you at Pretty Amazing. Oh, well, I was saying you're pretty amazing with your eyes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> That's what you heard about. Good, good. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was uh, pretty amazing. I gotta say though, I mean, I was very excited from what they told us, but I was somewhat over- uh, underwhelmed with some of the announcements. I really wanted to mainly find out about a TV deal, but either way, it was uh, really cool. Um, 
just get the breakdown of, of, of how they're going to do this. Um, basically, they announced that their their pay-per-view Double or Nothing will take place Saturday, May 25th at MGM Grand uh, Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Very cool then. That gun violence, which is really cool. Um, but hey, uh, looking at much- sorry guys, it sounds like we got some, uh, some trouble here. We're cutting in and out. So apologies. Can you not hear me? Yeah, you're. You were just cutting in and out on that. I was. Yes. Oh that's crap. Cool. All right. Um. I guess warn me again. So, I'll I'll just. What are you gonna say? Uh, we got up to the pay per view, uh, the date of the pay per view, and then you started cutting out there. So my apologies, our apologies on that one, guys. Absolutely, sorry about that. Yeah. So Saturday, May twenty fifth, MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Double or Nothing, a second pay per view, Jacksonville. We don't know the date for that, but a large proceeds will be going to combat gun violence. Um, Chris, how do you feel about the announcement of the next pay-per-view and the third one that will be in the future? And do you think it's kind of – should they have had information about a TV deal yet, or are you okay with this information about their upcoming event? I'm okay with it, what it is right now. I actually expected this to be drawn out for probably – six months to a year before they released a TV deal just because it's hard to lock that kind of thing down um, just to be completely honest it's nice to know that they're coming out of the gates with a pay-per-view you know what four months away thereabouts so the, the, the most intriguing thing is right now with where are their roster at how long is this paper going to be you going to be who are they going to be bringing in and uh, where do they go from there they definitely have the backing financially uh, but, you know, so does Impact. Impact has a Sinclair, uh, Sinclair Broadcasting behind them. Um, how much dedication are they going to put towards this thing? The bigger question is, where do you put this? Does this end up being on access with, like, Ring of Honor and WOW um, Women of Wrestling level? Or is this going to be on, like, something like Spike TV where it's more accessible to people? Um, you know, that, I think that's one of the big problems that happened with Lucha Underground is they ended up on, like, El Rey was hard for a lot of people to get so a lot of people who got into lucha underground ended up getting it into it once it got on netflix you know um that 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 is your that's the biggest obstacle where's your tv time where are you going to go uh it would be interesting to see if fox is buying up wrestling unless they have some kind of exclusivity deal with with wwe maybe they end up uh into the all elite wrestling business on one of their network sites it's that's the intriguing thing, and I think somewhere like Spike probably fits the humor and the writing direction. I think that you will see Cody Rhodes and the, the Young Bucks kind of lean towards, based on you know being the elite in their YouTube videos and stuff. I don't, I don't, you know, they're not over the top or you know rated R or anything, but they're definitely not going to be on like the Disney Channel. You know what I mean? So the biggest thing is where do they fall in line with that, and that. It is underwhelming that they don't have those details nailed down. At least they look like they, they're they teaming with someone to get the pay-per-view stuff done because I'm assuming that this is going to be a stream uh, available to us in the same way that 
you know, All In is. So I'm wondering how much involvement Ring of Honor actually has with this, similar to their previous pay-per-view. And, and, and a lot of my big questions didn't get answered, and that's why I kind of saw it as underwhelming, kind of in the same light as you. Um, that and a lot of the roster, you know, was one, the elite and, you know, Brandy Rhodes, obviously. Uh, and then we got, you know, three or four other names. But we, we don't we still don't have a full roster. We don't know what this thing's gonna look like and and, and some of that's underwhelming, but it was intriguing. It was a cool thing to read about, hear about. Um but yeah, I, I tend to agree with you as far as how you felt. It's just a little underwhelmed. I wanted a little bit more meat on the bone, but I'm sure that stuff will come out um as they've, you know, been continuing down this road on Twitter and, and through their updates um on YouTube. It's just you know, I, I thought this could have been a big event and big to do and coming out with something like, Hey, we're gonna be on T V on this time and this time and this time having that stuff all laid out would have been very uh, very, I think, very important to their brand. Because right now, we, we know about these contracts. We know what they're trying to do and, and the basis of where they're going with this. It's just how is that all going to shake out. And right now, they're, they have a bunch of wrestlers who are under contract for one pay-per-view. And that's kind of all we know. Yep, it's definitely early stages. Um, I think that some of the things that I would have liked to know personally uh the championship situation. Uh, I don't have to see a belt, but I want to know what their weight classes are going to be, what they're going to do as far as, you know, are they going to do a tag division, a light heavyweight division, a heavyweight? Um, are they going to have a U.S. title? Stuff like that. Um, the TV deal. And, and maybe maybe I was asking for too much, but finding out possibly if they're going to bring managers back, which I think that that's something that they would invest to, stuff that used to work with wrestling that they just don't do for some reason nowadays in WWE. Um, and possibly the announce team would have been a nice thing. Uh, any of those things or anything in general that you, you could think of? And also, with the announce team, if you have anything – Give me maybe like a, a scenario of a, of a great announced team you'd love to see work on this Tuesday night dynamite show or their future pay-per-views. Well, I mean, not without looking at contracts, I would think, you know, I'm pretty sure Jim Ross is, is up after this year with WWE and he has a, a contract that would allow him to work in other places as far as the new Japan contract goes. So, I mean, he would be my obvious go-to being one of the greatest um, but it would also be interesting to see someone new. Uh, I could see like maybe like a Tony Schiavone would be fun. I don't know that they would go that route, but it would make sense being a friend of, uh, obviously a friend of the Rhodes family. That would be something that's kind of interesting that they haven't done. It, it, the big ones for me would be you know your Don Callis's of the world, who obviously probably isn't going to be able to get involved as much, but. Yeah, I, I would think like Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. Obviously, you would need someone else in there um, with either of those guys, but those would probably be my my two go-tos if, if they wanted to do it, if they wanted to be involved with this. Um, but, you know, without knowing what their product's going to look like, they, I mean, they could go out and hire someone like Jimmy Jacobs or something to, to be an announcer. I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's going to be interesting just to see what they do because if you look at like the, you know, the elite YouTube show. It's very tongue in cheek. So I mean they may even go a route of just 
finding some people to smarten up or some former wrestlers or it's just going to be interesting to see all together. I mean, how would like someone like Christian and edge want to do something like that? And and would they be available to do do so? Like they're on, they're on legacy contracts. I don't know how that would shake out. Um, But obviously they have relationships with those guys. They've been on their shows multiple times. And would that be fun? Like, would that be something that people would want to see? Those are all questions that, up in the air, but I mean, right off, right off the bat, like if I'm going announce team, I, Jim Ross is always my go-to, um, and then I think Tony Schiavone, just because he hasn't been used in a lot, it'd be interesting to see him um, kind of come back, and it would make sense, like I said, with uh, the Rhodes family and, and Tony being kind of close. Yeah, and let me say, you know, ever since All In, I w- I've been watching MLW, mostly because I was turned on by some of the wrestlers, including two guys that got signed that we'll talk about in a second. But one of the things that I've loved about that program in particular is the fact that Tony Schiavone does the announcing for them because it's something that just harpens back to my, my childhood. So automatically I've written down the, – the three people I've written down, Chris, are J.R., Don Callis, and maybe Tony Schiavone. Or just if, if J.R. can't do it, Tony Schiavone and Don Callis – but any type of heel wrestler, if they wanted to get involved to be another one, or even a bait, it doesn't matter. They're going to find great ones. Someone, and this is a crazy-ass suggestion, but since he's now trying to do more stuff involved with uh, commentary, maybe this is actually something Phil Brooks would consider as far as you know being one of the announced guys on the mic as a heel commentator, you know, paired up with a JR or Tony Schiavone uh, for pay-per-views uh, would be something interesting. I don't know if CM Punk would do that. I have no idea if he's going to have any involvement. I will say, if there is a wrestling organization that he would work with, I think that he would choose this one over WWE or even any of the other ones, if he were to, but I'm not going to try to go there. But there's a lot of cool things that you can do as far as, you know, just announcing. Um, but, yeah, JR seems like someone that would make a lot of sense. Don Callis would make a lot of sense. Tony Schiavone would be a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know what Mike Tanay doing. If you want to grab the rock that he's chilling under and just get him back into the whole entire picture. He was one of my favorites back in the day. There's plenty of things to do. Uh, the King, Jerry Lawler. You can do a lot of guest stuff. I don't know what their platform is going to be for shows, though. We don't know about the TV deal, but Tuesday Night Dynamite's in the future future. You know, right at the pay-per-view. So I guess try to build your team for the next pay-per-view, and maybe that will be an indication of who could be the ones leading the charge in the future. Um, some cool things, though, Chris, that they were talking about that I was actually really happy that they announced. Um, they're going to give health benefits, or they're looking into a health benefit program for the wrestlers. Uh, WWE does pay for hospital bills uh, for major injuries and stuff like that, but they don't actually have health benefits for the rest for uh, I think all the wrestlers actually they have to get their own uh, insurance. So that's one thing that they were trying to do. Um, equal pay. Men and women will make the same. Uh, that that will have nothing to do with how much you make basically with your sex, which is something that they should definitely look into. And Matt Jackson really went on and on about wins and losses mattering within their company. That it doesn't matter what size you are, you know, what what gender, whatever. But if you're if you're going to be booked to lose, you're going to be losing. And if you're booked to win and leading, you're going to be winning. And there's not going to be I'm, – I'm assuming what he's referring to is a situation where a top baby face that always wins randomly gets rolled up, and then next week we're just pretending that doesn't even happen. I think they're going to try to cut out 
that fat, trim that fat. So I think that's a really good thing. Chris, are you happy about some of those, uh, some of the things that we just talked about being a change in the uh, normal WWE mold, if you will? Yeah, I think all of those things are great in theory. Um, My question is, how do you get there? The health insurance thing, I don't think is that far-fetched. I think for a long time, people have been preaching that as something that needs to get done. Um, The money equal pay for women and male performers, I think where this falls off is how do you determine equal pay? If you're Kenny Omega, you shouldn't be making as much money as Brandy Rhodes just based on your quality of work and how much merch and how many asses you're going to put in the seats. If you're Charlotte Flair and Kenny Omega, then yeah, maybe you have more of a debate. So this is where it gets a little weird because the wrestling business and your booking fees as an independent contractor is based on how over you are and how good of a damn wrestler you are and how many asses you're going to put in the seats. And it hasn't always has been. I think. And if you're going to say everyone is going to make the same exact amount of money, that's a very communist mindset that I don't think a lot of wrestlers are going to buy think, in. I think Brandy was trying to say that the matter of experience will matter more so than your gender. So if you come in and experience or whatever, it will all equate. It won't be, you know, one will make more money. Like, there's a good chance AJ might make more than Charlotte, you know, because of the sex, like that type of situation. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But then, like I said, like if you – at the end of the day, it's how many asses you're putting in a seat. I mean, if you get – if you get Mickey James, she shouldn't make as much money as the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega on a spot show. Like, I mean, she's still a big draw, but she's not on the same level. You know what I'm saying? This is where that breaks down to me. Um, The insurance thing I find very intriguing, and the wins and losses things I find very intriguing. I just wish they would have kind of elaborated on what they meant more about that pay structure because looking at the current roster they have right now, I guarantee you that Chris Jericho is getting paid more than some of those female performers. Well, the thing is I don't have all the information (laughs) in front of me extensively went into – all that, but I don't have all the information. I think all she was trying to say is that if you come in male or female and you're just as popular, it's not going to matter what sex you are, depending on how much your your pay is. You're not going to males will just not make more money than the females, no matter what, basically. And I, I, I mean, I think that's yeah, and that's great in business in general. I'm not saying that that's a bad idea. It's just I think that's a hard thing to equate to the wrestling business, where it's clearly just based on popularity and the, the amount of assets you put in seats. And the fact that there's going to be other companies out there willing to pay more um, for contracts. So that that's where that, to me, breaks down a little bit. I think it's it's a good idea in theory. Um, and I totally back it. If they can make that work, that's awesome. Um, that contract, the contract situation there is going to be weird, especially with the fact that they're going to be trying to outbid, you know, all of the other wrestling companies. For talent at this point, and I mean, right now, firing on all centers, uh, cylinders, you have, you know, WWE in multiple markets, setting up territories, and then you still have New Japan, and then you have Ring of Honor. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Well, I was about to ask you that. That that brings another question. You know, they didn't talk about any type of affiliated wrestling groups within them. That's not saying that can't happen. But, you know, these guys have come and made, have made families within other organizations like New Japan, 
um, some of them with Impact, Ring of Honor, MLW, um, PWG. Will, if, if they don't have any, if you know, may, maybe some, but if any, affiliation with any of these other wrestling organizations, we'll actually take New Japan out of it because they have their own market. They're from another country. But talking about stuff like MLW, Ring of Honor, Impact, they get a TV deal. They're on. Are they going to take the the wrestling audience, uh, you know, even though they might be much more uh, less into it as me and you, but, like, someone is going to watch basically AEW over any of the other niche wrestling. Is this going to hurt, basically, some of the other groups of wrestling um, affiliations that they've worked with as individuals if they really do blow up, not – to the level of WWE, Chris, but you understand what I'm saying. Is this going to hurt some of their 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 the companies that they've worked with, um, their their business? I mean, it, it will. In theory, it will hurt those companies, but it will help wrestlers in general because you're having a go-to that's backed financially in the way it should be. Especially if you're talking about getting towards like where Impact was, where when they were on Spike TV where you have a legitimate place for wrestlers to go to and make a decent amount of money in America. Um, so, yes, I mean, in, if you look at it like that, but I don't think it's going to do any more damage than, than WWE is already doing. I mean, look at all the people that they've signed from Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor's roster is, I mean, when you look outside of their OGs and a lot of people that they've brought in recently has been depleted and probably will continue to be depleted, if not even further so now that there's going to be a separate place for these guys to go um i i don't you know it's people are still going to watch ring of honor ring Ring of honor has a cult fan base and i think we'll continue to have a cult fan base because people watch ring of honor same thing as impact people that love tna have stuck with impact in a lot of ways i know a lot of people have fallen off but they still have a cult fan base in a lot of ways um and some of that's nostalgia you stick with you know something that you loved as a child and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I watched WCW until it ended, and it was awful for a long, for a long time period. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna it's gonna be great or they're gonna have top tier talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if if we're looking if we're looking at this thing and they are backing it, um, if he's going to start Ted Turner backing this, it's not going to be a question of, hey, they're just going to go out and try to find people. They're going to throw money at. Um, to get it off the ground. So you're going to be seeing some of these wrestlers, you know, who have impact contracts that are ending, maybe even some of the larger ones, getting offered money um, that's going to be hard to refuse. And, and yeah, I mean, that in turn, that is going to hurt those companies. I'm just wondering in the next couple of years if they're going to have to absorb some of them or something. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I mean that's, that's a, that's a possi- I mean that's a that's a good possibility. I mean it, like I was saying with a with a with the fact that they're turning a pay per view out so fast, that would lead me to believe that they have some affiliation with Ring of Honor, who did the All In pay per view, and worked with them on that. So I wouldn't even be surprised if if All Elite Wrestling gobbles up Ring of Honor. I would be very surprised. They've already Sinclair already tried to sell Impact to. Um, all elite, like that's already happened. That that news was out there a while back, where Sinclair was act- actively trying to sell Impact 
I think it would be more likely they would buy up, buy up the Ring of Honor licenses and maybe even some of their TV rights. Who knows? I, I don't think that's necessarily the way to go with their TV, but um, it would make sense, and that's building relationships. I, I think you brought up a good point as far as could they gobble up one of those companies? Yeah, I mean, I think Ring of Honor would be the one to get just because of their video library. Um, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's name. Let's talk about some of the uh, the signees confirmed. Obviously, we have Matt and Nick Jackson, uh, Cody, Brandy, uh, Adam Page. Those are all confirmed. But the other stuff we already knew. SoCal Uncensored was coming, but Frank Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and Scorpio Sky started off everything. You know, topped up the whole entire experience. We're heels to the heel bone. Love Christopher Daniels. Um, I wish that when we were talking about, uh, you know, when we were talk- interviewing him about a year ago, we knew more information in the future about this because I would love to have talked to him about this. We're not going to come back now uh, that, you know, SoCal is a part of All Elite Wrestling. Um, yeah, they came out. The uh, the hidden names, that, well, no, we also knew about Britt Baker, um, Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, who is Adam Cole's uh, girlfriend? She was in Elite, or not All Elite, but um, uh, what the hell? Their 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 pay per view. Um, man. Oh, uh, Chris, I'm doing it again. What was what was their pay per view last? What was it? All Elite Wrestling. For they just for all all in. Thank you. Yeah, I'm having those type of problems tonight. Uh, um, but she was in the four-way women's match with Tessa Blanchard, Chelsea Green. Um, she's a great female wrestler. She came out, obviously, during Brandy, who will also be an active wrestler on the roster. And some of the uh, the names that we didn't know. Uh, MJF came out. Conrad Thompson uh, was there hosting. Uh, a lot of us know Con or Connie, as JR would say, from hosting um, Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard and 83 Weeks with um, Eric Bischoff, and also a show with Tony Schiavone. He's got three different ones, but he was the one who mainly hosted it. Well, MJF, who Maxwell Jacob Freeman, I have been a huge fan. Um, Not so much at All In, I was like, who the hell is this guy that's taking up the first match? But once I started watching MLW because of him and Joey Janela and a lot of the other guys that were on there, uh, and the fact that Pentagon, Sammy Callahan also, you know, kind of do that and impact. I got to know his personality, and he's very old-school heel. He called Conrad, who's a very big gentleman, you know, all sorts of fat names and stuff, and um, just was cutting it on the crowd, and uh, got hit in the back of his head by his ex-nemesis, Joey Janela, with his wonderful, beautiful girlfriend, who's also a pretty damn good female wrestler, Penelope Ford, and uh, both of them are signing. So that's awesome. I'm wondering if um, Joey Janela's spring break, if he becomes a full-time member, of AEW since a full-time contract, which is what they were alluding to, if his pay-per-view could possibly be a future pay-per-view for All Elite Wrestling, because the indie, you know, wrestling community loves uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break. It happens usually WrestleMania weekend, I believe. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, it's already big. They might as well take advantage of that. They also have a group called the Good Hearts, which we'll talk more next, actually, after we talk about this, Chris about OWE, a Chinese wrestling-affiliated uh, organization they are going to be working with. This is a group that they're bringing, a tag team group called the Good Hearts. Don't know much about it. I can't even find that much information on the Internet about them. 
Um, the big ones that I think everyone was t- was talking about were two ex WWE wrestlers actually. When Adam Page was talking about wanting to be the first world heavyweight champion of all elite wrestling, he was interrupted by Pac, aka Neville, which was awesome to see him come out in his full, you know, Neville level just wrestling outfit. He was ready to go right there on the stage, and uh, he signed. He had his um, his championship, and I, I believe that's that's the wrestling. He said it on the mic, and I don't remember exactly what organization was. But basically, the reason I want to remember it is because I don't know maybe if they'll have an affiliation because, or if he won't have the belt by the time of their first pay-per-view in Las Vegas. I don't know. Chris Jericho ended it. It was. It looked like that was it. That was like the last big announcement, and everyone said goodbye. Everyone left the stage, and then you know Judas came on from Fozzie. Chris Jericho comes out, and this was his quotes, Chris. I am Chris Jericho, and I am all in with All Elite Wrestling. I'm not here for money. I've already got the money. I'm here because I believe in doing something different. I believe in doing something new. I'm a maverick. I'm an outlaw. I'm a pariah. I'm Chris Jericho, baby. We're not going to just change the world. We're going to change the universe. All right. Not too many names, but are you excited about some of the new roster members Right off the start from this rally for All Elite Wrestling, Chris. I think the ones that I'm the most excited about is the fact that they did get SoCal with Christopher Daniels, and, uh, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. I, I think those are good additions. I think they will work good with the Young Bucks because the Young Bucks are going to have to have someone to feud with. Um, obviously, the Elite being the focal point here, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think you're probably going to have you know Chris Jericho and Cody feuding for a while. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, where the rest of the roster shakes out. It's cool to see the affiliation with the bad boy, Joey Janela. I, I thought that he was pretty good. The, the clips that I saw from the conference of him were pretty fun. Um, Brandy Rhodes, obviously being there and uh, Britt, Britt, Britt Baker, I don't know as well. So I, 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 I don't want to comment on her. Um, I feel like that would be a little unfair, but, yeah, I think the initial lineup, getting the superstars they have, having one big name like Chris Jericho backed behind the Elite, I think goes a long way. Um, and then obviously Pac, Neville, I, I, I think who is wonderful in the ring and really was has been really good on the mic when given the time and given the opportunity. I think that's a great pickup. He's currently, I think, um, you're asking about the the current title. If I'm not mistaken, he's the champion. He's the dragon, he's the Dragon Gate champion. Uh, the Open Dream. I think it's called the Open Dream Gate champion. If I'm not mistaken, but anyway, that, he, he's that's a champion. Probably right. dra- dragon Gate. It was either that or Pro Wrestling Noah. I couldn't remember, but yeah, he. I'm wondering if that's the case. If he is a champion, if they might have any affiliation with them, since he was able to show up with the belt. That would make sense, but Dragon Gates also worked some stuff with WWE recently, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not sure if they're just because didn't they do some stuff with Walter in Dragon Gate, or am I botching this and thinking of PWG? I'm not sure. PWG did stuff with Walter uh, in progress recently. Okay. I don't know about Dragon Gate. All right, I could be wrong. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like I said, I, I, I didn't know 100 percent for sure. I just I know that they had done 
WWE's been kind of all over the place with some of the indie stuff they've done recently, so I wasn't sure if there was affiliation there or not. But, yeah, I mean, it would make sense. I think Dragon Gate's got some good competitors on their roster. Um, that would be a good way to go. That They currently, I mean, they have their own network, Dragon Gate does, so there's a little bit there that they could work off of as well. There's a video library. It's, it's interesting. Um, cool stuff, though. Uh, Neville being there, I think, is a big get. So uh, they, they announced some really good wrestlers. And like I said, I, I'm probably most excited about SoCal, Ella, Christopher Daniel, um, former guest of the show. Go back and check that one out if you guys haven't heard it. Um, but, yeah, like, I think, you know, the names that they have so far, while not the big name everyone was hoping for, probably, I think a lot of people were like, okay, so when are they announcing Kitty Omega? Which didn't happen. Um, they still had a lot of a lot of good wrestlers. Like uh, I, like I said, we we were talking about making lists of people that we'd want to see there, and, and Christopher Daniels and SoCal were on my list before the announcement or before I saw the announcement, and I had to go back and rework my list. So it, it was cool to see them uh, show up for sure. I was excited about that. Absolutely. One thing before we start going into names that weren't named but could be named as a part of that roster for AEW – was what they were talking about with being affiliated with a partnership with Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, OWE. Uh, Matt Jackson was the one talking about this specifically, and he said that he's seen stuff done in China that he's never seen done in a wrestling ring. And I think what he's trying to go for is very similar to what WCW did with the Cruiserweight division of just showing us, you know, some stuff from, you know, either – Mexico with cruiserweight wrestling or also, or uh, Mexico with Lucha Libre wrestling and also a lot of stuff in Japan, the uh, strong style and some of the quick movements, you know, they brought that over here. He described it, Chris, as Cirque du Soleil mixed with Kung Fu mixed with Lucha Libre. He said what they were doing was insane. And I'm assuming it might have to do with some of the aerial, I guess, presentations I've seen Shaolin monks do where they can kind of float through the, I don't know. I'm just kind of piercing this together from the description. They have a tag team called the Good Hearts that are going to be coming over here. I'm assuming to work primarily with Matt and Nick because we'll get some amazing, crazy stuff. But the whole concept of finding something new, um, going for this new wrestling style in China that's been undiscovered and try to harness in on that, you know, affiliate themselves with, you know, a newer wrestling organization and, and exposing us to something that we've never seen, or at least saying they're going to do that. Uh, are you excited and intrigued by this new OWE style from China? I'm excited for it. I've, I don't know anything about it, obviously. Um, not something I've kept up with. I think the exciting part is when I hear something like that, where it's something I've never seen before, my mind immediately goes back to what WW, or what WCW was able to accomplish with the Luchadors when they brought in the Luchadors and created the Cruiserweight division. And that is intriguing to me. So if they're looking at it from that standpoint of, hey, we're going to present this differently, we're going to have a different um, class of wrestlers wrestle in here, and then we're going to have our heavyweights, um, basically the things that we were asking for that they haven't told us yet, that excites me because um, if you think about it, that's how WCW did 
a big way of how they set themselves apart with the Rey Mysterios, the Eddie Guerreros, the Dean Malinkos of the world was that style, um, getting people from New Japan. And, and if this is that, you know, a different style or, or in from Lucha, if, if you're, if they're talking about that, then that is very intriguing to me. Um, but it's just, if it's almost Chikara-like when you start saying Kung Fu and it's, it's going to be like this and it almost comes out like Chikara where it, it's a little bit comedic, I'm not going to be super into it. So yes, intriguing. No interested in seeing it hopefully it's more like the WCW example and less like the Chikara example. Not that I have anything against Chikara, it's just not what I would want from someone starting a, their own TV show and doing pay-per-views and, and trying to build a big wrestling you know, change the world of wrestling as they say Yeah, we're going to change the world um, but yeah I, I hope you're right about that because I'm hoping that it's kind of like they're making it sound like a new style that they've noticed that fluid or whatever, and they're going to do some crazy shit in the ring that is going to blow our minds. But either if that's if that's all false hope or, or, or whatever, they have a long time to build this roster um, for their programming, um, you know, to iron out a TV deal to get everything ready for the pay-per-view. Within the whole roster thing, though, I think that's when, and beautifully, we have 30 minutes to talk about this, which I think is a perfect amount of time. People are wondering about certain superstars, uh, either by knowing their contracts are running out with WWE or other affiliated ones, or knowing that they don't currently really have a contract. Um, I think that you kind of nailed it on the head for the first big one. I think the two that we need to get out of the way um, – and I mentioned CM Punk earlier as an announcer. I'm not going to even go into him as a wrestler. Maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't happen. That's up to him. I think that my scenario of him becoming a pay-per-view announcer for them is, as a commentator is more in the realm of possibility. So that's why I'm going to skip him, guys. I apologize. I just I just don't see a lot in wishful thinking. There's, one of them we're going to talk about is also, I think, wishful thinking. But the first one, Kenny Omega. Uh, Kenny Omega, it would seem he's got a hard decision, Chris, between going with his friends and trying something completely new and taking what's been reported as two to three to 3.5, I've heard, million dollars for a contract for WWE. Um, obviously, he, he can't make announcements, Chris. We've already talked about that for anything until the end of this month. He's still with New Japan until the end of January. So he wouldn't be able to be there, apparently, unless he got permission, obviously. Um, But, yeah, what do you think? Do you think Kenny's going to end up at this wrestling organization, or will he take a lot of money for a couple of years to try out WWE, see how it works out, and just add to his his resume, basically? It it harkens back to the the conversation where he wants to go with his friends, but I think it should be fair to know that him and Xavier Woods are very close in WWE. Um, he's very into video games. I know that's been brought up in the past. I don't necessarily know that it's white and black with, with Kenny Omega and what Kenny Omega wants to do. I think if Kenny Omega was to go to WWE losing him, probably spin off with Xavier Woods and do a lot of things on YouTube with Up, Up, Down, Down, um, and promote that brand and do some other things that weren't just wrestling. 
as far as straight wrestling goes, I think that he would prefer to be with the elite. Um, but WWE, they're going to have to match whatever WWE offers him. And that really is going to come down to how much the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars thinks Kenny Omega is worth. And to me, this thing doesn't shake out the same way without Kenny Omega, um, as far as the interest drawn in it. I, th- I think right now the interest drawn in it is because it is the elite. But if Kenny Omega is separated and he goes to WWE, a lot of that interest, I think, wait. And I'm not trying to hate on the Young Bucks or hate on Cody Rhodes. I think they're, I, I think they're all great individual performers, but this is all pivoted around the success of Kenny Omega and Okada in New Japan and how they built off of that. Um, yep. I think that goes a hell of a long way, and I think it should be said that I don't know that this company is necessarily the same without Kenny Omega um, or without someone of that level, a.k.a. maybe like a Phil, a, a, maybe a Mr. Philip Brooks, a CM Punk. I think it takes someone like that to get it off the ground in the way they want. So if it just comes down to straight money, I think they will pay Kenny Omega the amount of money needed to get this thing off the ground or figure out a way where he has part ownership in the company or something that will make sense that would equal whatever WWE offers him. Now, that being said, like I said, if, if it goes into the um, – not to say said a bunch, but uh, if it goes into – what I was talking about with him wanting to branch out into different forms of media outside of just doing the elite podcasts and outside of wrestling, maybe wanting to do more with video games. He's either going to have to start his own thing or he could piggyback back off a platform with Xavier Woods and have WWE backing that on whatever he wanted to do as one of the like, you know, a top push star. Um, And, I think a lot of it's going to come down to how he's going to be booked. If WWE tells him that he's going to be booked to the moon, they're going to give him the, the AJ Styles treatment, shine him up real nice and put him to the top, then that's intriguing because he can be you know one of the very few people to hold both that New Japan heavyweight title and the WWE heavyweight title. Um, so there's a lot of factors there. I think they get it done. I think he ends up in all elite. They're going to pay him what WWE is going to pay him to get him there, though, because I, I don't think it's just as cut and dry as, hey, these are your friends. Um, very few things are. So this is this guy's entire life. He, I don't know that he can just decide to do it on we're friends. You're talking about his career and and all of that. Like, I, I, You know, it's a nice notion, but I think, you know, money is going to go a long way on that. Oh, it has to. I mean, this is a huge choice. I mean, Kenny is in his early 30s. He could still, I mean, how long does WWE usually try to, like, tie you down for a contract? Three to five? Well, let's say Kevin Owens, for example, right? He's tied down until 2023, 2022, 2023. He signed a five-year But he just re-upped. And he re-upped after he won the title. That's when he re-upped. Oh. So, not so that long years. ago. I think he was, yeah. So, so five-year deal. I don't know that you know, but what, whatever. He, I mean, all the cards are in Kenny Omega's hands. If he wants to do a one-year deal, he can tell him like, hey, I want to do a one-year yeah, deal exactly. for less money. That's going to be completely up to him. Kevin Owens signed a five-year deal because it, 
he was in a good spot in the company at the time. I mean, he was the champion, and it made sense for him to sign a five-year deal. Um, but all the cards are in Omega's court. Like, he's the hottest superstar, definitely the hottest free agent in the world right now. So he can kind of dictate whatever the hell he wants. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so he can he can he can he can go and and try out WWE and then this will grow. I, this is I don't think this is going to deplete and just do absolutely nothing. So I think that Kenny has a lot of options. I think either way that either place that he goes, it's going to be like you said, and I, I think a lot of fans don't want to hear this, but for the most money, and it's going to be for the better experience for himself as a wrestler of where where they're going to put him. If he's top king and they give him the highest bidder, it's probably going to go to whatever. Uh, he's probably already made a decision, though. I mean, they might know exactly what's happening. WWE might have Kenny Omega or Cody. Might know that Kenny's about to join the organization. Everything's on quiet and on hold until they can make that announcement. But, hey, who knows? But there has been something interesting, Chris, outside of Kenny Omega. I don't think anyone was expecting an announcement by this. And I have no idea how you feel about this or if you've even heard about this. So there was a older wrestler um, – that is good friends with Tony Khan and was also good friends with Dusty Rhodes when he was working for a wrestling organization called WCW with Dusty, and Dusty helped him out, Um, that started following All Elite Wrestling on Twitter, one of those weird situations, Um, and that is Bill Goldberg. Have you heard about this rumor about Bill Goldberg, you know, not going there, but like, could there be potential to any of this, or are people just looking way too deeply into it? And how would you feel? I mean, I think doesn't Cody Rhodes has a pretty good relationship with Goldberg, if I remember right. So I, I'm not so super surprised. Yeah, I'm not super surprised. What I would say is uh, intriguing as an announcer. He's hosted a lot of TV shows and things. Um, I currently has a show. I, I can't remember the exact name of it. It's based off Forged in Fire, where they cut shit in half with different types of knives. It's like a game show competition. He does commentary on that. But like maybe even something like that with some one-off wrestling appearances. Not far-fetched. He would be a big get for them. Um, I can see that happening. I mean, Goldberg doing a couple more matches and getting to do something fun with Cody Rhodes could be very intriguing to him. I have no idea. I mean, the guy's going to make money no matter what. Like I said, he already has a TV show. Goldberg got paid a ton of money to work in WWE just recently. So um, if it's something fun that he wants to do, yeah, sure. Why not? I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I wouldn't get my hopes up about it just because Goldberg, I mean, no. how long did it take WWE to get Goldberg back? Um, so unless it's just something he wants to do, um, just to be part of something new and, and fun and maybe even just from a commentating standpoint. Yeah, who knows? But do you want to invest that kind of money in a Goldberg? How much money it would take him to do those one-off appearances? Because I, I can't remember what his contract was in WWE just for those three or four pay-per-view appearances, but I know it was it was pretty fucking ridiculous. I mean, it was mirroring similar to what Brock Lesnar was getting paid for those appearances. So do you want to pay him that? That's so that's where I kind of fall off on it. If it's something that he wants to do and he's willing to just do it for the love of doing it and kind of like whatever he's getting paid for commentating on his TV gig, yeah, sure, maybe. But um, 
do I see him stepping in the ring and wrestling? I was like, eh, not without a, not without a decent paycheck. Could you imagine Kenny Omega giving a a uh, V trigger to to Goldberg? <laughs> I just thought in my head, no. I'm like, that, is, that is that is in the realms of possibility, though. If that fucking happens, <laughs> I, he's I gonna mean, be treated as a than... top guy. And Kenny's, Kenny's gonna be a top guy too. So it's like, is is he gonna be in the same ring as people like Kenny Omega and fucking Adam Page and, and shit? Is is uh, who the hell would he wrestle? Basically, is what I would. I would Cody say. Rhodes. I mean, I mean, I think he would do. Like, they would do something around WCW and Cody Rhodes, and they would build a feud off that, and then you would have a couple of matches with Cody Rhodes, and that would be the end. That makes sense. I like that. All right, let's move on. And Cody Rhodes Uh, being more WWE-based, like as far as a wrestler, that would probably be the go-to, you know. It makes sense. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, I think that a lot of people were also expecting, because it's been rumored that they were going to sign with them, but then also, Chris, it's been rumored that they were going to sign with NXT, but there's been no exact um, confirmation. Uh, But the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix – um, and I have to say, Pentagon, I th- and I think he's in the top three right after Okada and Omega is like one of the biggest guys on the, you know, independent, if you, non-WWE, I hate saying independent, non-WWE market. Um, it would be a big get to get both these guys. Phoenix can tear shit up. They are amazing. Well, Phoenix can, in a sense of like aerial, aerial stuff uh, with other luchadors or whatever thrown his way. And Pentagon's a great a heavyweight style person together as a tag team they're incredible um do you think that there's a possibility that pentagon and phoenix are coming to all lead wrestling instead of nxt like it's been presumed i think it's a very big possibility just because wwe hasn't gotten that done yet and they've been talking about it. we've been talking about this contract for almost six months now so something is holding that deal up um my guess is the fact that they either want to be a tag team or they want to put them into or they want to put part of that tag or part of them into 205 and I don't think that they're cool with that so yeah I think that I, I actually think that makes a lot of sense they were both at all in I could easily see that happening that they're they were on my list of people to talk about um, when we started trying to think about people that could go to all elite wrestling they're they're definitely up there as, as far as people I would consider and I mean ain't nothing been signed with WWE as far as I know so who knows? This might work out better for them, especially if they can work out something where they they can split time in AAA or MLW and do this as well. Um, if they're going to be flexible like Impact is with a contract, that's very possible. Yeah. All right. Another person. And, and I mean, all right, I think this – it doesn't hinder on whether or not Kenny Omega is going to be there. But I think that Kenny being a part of All Elite, there's good reasoning to think that – since technically, even though I know New Japan wants to turn him into a star, Kota Ibushi is still a freelancer. He's been like that. That's his. That's the reason why he hasn't been pushed for a major title um, while he's been there. It's because he's had a freelance style contract while he's w- been within there. He wouldn't sign with WWE for an official contract. Could Kota Ibushi finally sign with All Elite Wrestling, especially in a scenario where Kenny Omega signs with them? I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't have a huge opinion on it, but I, I could see that working. All right, so now, you know, I, I have people that – I wanted to give you a chance if you have any people that um, I, I didn't announce, but I have, like, 
kind of a couple people from MLW, a couple people from uh, TNA, and a couple people from um, Ring of Honor. Uh, but do you have anyone major that that you were thinking could have been announced that I haven't named yet? Well, there, there's uh, there's there's two that contracts are up headed up from WWE that I think would go a long way. Uh, that I just want to throw out there. We're gonna do WWE next. We'll okay. do WWE right. well, uh, after. Okay. Well, then uh, off the top of my head, James Storm I think would be a good get. Kushida, uh, his contract's up in New Japan. Um, and then, from from a female wrestling perspective, the Session Moth Martina deserves to be signed to All Elite Wrestling. Make that happen. You know, I wrote that down, Chris, because of you. I was like, Session Moth, she she has to. It just makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone that you know, somewhat of a big name, I think would be a smart smart person to use. Uh, and I, I like Session Moth from all the stuff that I've seen from you of her side stuff and her actual matches in which I've seen. But, uh, yeah, all the people that you said obvious does. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple names of uh, two, two hardcore wrestlers or people that are at least put in that, that mix. Jimmy Havoc from the UK, who's been on MLW tearing shit up, and Sammy Callahan, who's been one of the huge heels on both Impact and MLW. I would love to see either one of them signed to a contract of being – the guys that go over the edge a little bit. Um, uh, also, you know, uh, Roosh from AAA Mexico, CMLL, uh, rig- original part of LIJ. Uh, the, I think their leader, the original leader of LIJ, Rush, uh, that Dave Metzler, I think, loves more than Kenny Omega. Yeah. Amazing in the ring. Also an MLW. Um, and I, I, I have this one. I think that you this. Uh, Johnny Elite. Our good friend, the champion, the Impact champion, uh, Johnny Impact, coming over to the world of AEW as Johnny Elite. Chris, any of those names uh, tickle your fancy? Yeah, I also had uh, Johnny Elite or Johnny Impact, Johnny AKA gimmick name on my list as well. Um, one more that I had was uh, Joe Doring from All Japan, uh, All Japan Wrestling. I think that you know. He's been triple crown champion over there. Great, great wrestler. Yeah. And then another one that a lot of people forget about is Chris Saban. I think that Chris Saban would be great, especially if you're trying to build some tag teams. He's a great tag team wrestler. Um, and also has been a good singles competitor in the past when, when pushed properly. Uh, he had a good run in an impact. But, I mean, he's been, he was part of the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, he just recently worked with... Uh, Shit, let's move on because I can't think. I can't think of. Uh, he just teamed with in the Super Junior Tag League with Kushida recently. So if they bring Kushida over, you have a natural tag team partner for him. Um, kind of a new time splitter, so to speak. That's what I was getting. So that w- that was another guy that was on my list. Here's a question: Is he doesn't have a contract, but he's got a horrible attitude. Um, Austin Aries, uh, he left Impact pretty badly. Uh, but he's a pretty decently big name. He's a good wrestler. He's a great heel. Would they want to hire something, someone like that, or an Alberto El Patron, or do you think they want to stay away from that type of drama? Based on how they've talked about this company and what they're trying to do with getting insurance benefits and, and fair pay to females and and being different than what's done in the past, 
I just I don't see it, man. I really don't see them going that route, especially with someone like well, specifically with someone like Alberto Del Patron, who with his tapered past. Um, you know, Austin Aries has just been hard. It's just hard to deal with in the back as far as how he wants to be booked and things. So maybe, but like definitely not Alberto, you know, Del Rio. I could see someone like a Jack Swagger, um, someone yeah. out there with uh, that's just under Lucha Underground. I that's someone I could see, or uh, you know, like a, a even like someone like a Davy uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. And it's kind of having a little bit of a checkered past, but not to the extent of you know Alberto Del Patron or, or Austin Aries who does have a bad reputation. I, I don't know him personally, so I, I'm not going to say anything negative about him. It's not like he's ever been accused of beating a woman in an airport like uh, Alberto Del Patron, but um, he definitely has had problems in the back. All right, so these these are all people that are kind of signed still, but maybe, well, except for the last, Moose is going to be in his contract with Impact until that company's done, probably before his contract ends, unfortunately. But, um, we got Mil Mertes, who's El Macias, also known as Gius Macias from TNA, uh, from uh, Lucha Underground, Aerostars, another great luchador um, from Lucha Underground and AAA and CMLL. Um, female wrestlers, uh, all three of them are on impact, but Sue Young, um, Jordan Grace, uh, Tessa Blanchard, actually also Rosemary, uh, another potential people. You know, they're going to have a big roster is what I'm trying to say. Regardless, uh, Brian Cage, I feel like eventually he'll be there. Um, uh, Rich Swan's another another person I could see end up there. The Briscoes, I would love to see come to ALW. I think that they would be awesome as a part of that whole camaraderie. But, yeah, I think good stuff regardless. Uh, any of those names intrigue you? And anything else before we move over to some of the WWE guys that could be possibly going to AEW, Chris? No, I mean, I think you named a lot of people that I would would love to see there. The only one I could think of from Lucha Underground that you didn't name is Dr. Wagner Jr. I think he would be oh, yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then Hernandez, who I don't know is under contract, but Hernandez is also a great wrestler that, that deserves a fair shake somewhere. Um, Mil Mortes, I just think that he would end up going back to, you know, probably AWA or something. Or not AWA, but AAA. Um, but would also be a lot of fun to see. Um, I don't know if Vernon would like him. Um, he's scary. Uh, <laughs> but he would be a great right, hill so, for someone like a Kenny Omega to go against. So. Oh, and he's a great in the ring. And, I, I, you know, I know that he, he, he's obviously a big fan of The Undertaker, if you can't tell. But so was, you know, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, Vampiro. And Vampiro's great, too. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, WWE, here's some names, Chris, of people I could see possibly going over there once their contract's done. I think a lot of these are, are – people are thinking this regardless, but the whole, the whole Wyatt family, the three of them, all of them, getting out of their contracts or just doing whatever they have to do and premiering as a group. I don't care if they have to call, you, call them the Williamson boys or whatever the fuck to change out because they can't call them the Wyatt family, but I could see all three of them, including Bray, getting the fuck out of there and going to AEW. Dolph Ziggler, Zack Ryder, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, Rusev, The Revival, and also who's I didn't realize, I'm not going to say AJ Styles because that's pretty far-fetched. They've treated him well, but the club, their contract ends the same time AJ does, and I think uh, 2020, 
And then uh, even like someone like a Ty Dillinger, you know, I think all these people could be making the move possibly more so than anyone else over in WWE. Um, and I haven't even really thought that that well into the female division. Like if they don't utilize Ember Moon uh, soon, or they don't do anything with like a Carrie Zane. Uh, but who potentially in the next year or two could you see from WWE making the jump that I didn't list? Uh, Cassia Sono, Chris Hero, I think would be someone I yeah. could easily see making the jump um, back, especially to a different brand where he has a chance to kind of reinvent himself back to Chris Hero. Uh, I mean, I think the Good Brothers for sure. I think they're ones that stand out to me as, as not being used properly. Um Mickey James, I think her contract would probably be up pretty soon. She's basically on a legacy deal now. I think that she could go have some good matches. She had good runs in Impact, would be good uh, for some of the younger female wrestlers to go against. Um, trying to just, you know, think, right. I mean, right off the hands, the Good Brothers would be probably my, my biggest. Um, and then maybe someone like Goldust, who's on a legacy deal, doesn't work that often, but could have something really cool with Cody. You know, the feud that we never actually got that they built to with Stardust and Goldust can be really intriguing. Um, obviously, he wouldn't be able to work as Goldust, but I think, you know, people know enough about that family that it would be fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so many other people are locked up under contract. It's so hard to save Finn Balor. I, I, I would be great, but I think he's kind of locked up. Dolph Ziggler just re-signed. He had a chance to leave and re-sign. Um, I don't know what Sami Zayn's contract's like, but if they continue to treat him the way they've kind of treated him, that would be someone that I would, would love to see go over and work with people like Kenny Omega. Um, give us some El Generico back in our lives. That would be a lot of fun. I think regardless, though, if this becomes not even a competition WWE, but becomes somewhere where they're giving wrestlers damn good money and they are much more free to do what they would like as a wrestler, as an artist, as whatever. A lot of these guys that are getting treated and pushed aside, especially ones that are getting themselves over from Zack Ryder to Rusev by themselves, um, that was also something they talked about, is that the crowd will pick who to boo and who to, to love. It's not going to be something that we try to force on your throat. And I think that that is the beautiful thing about All Elite Wrestling. But there's still a lot of things in the future. Uh, so we don't know exactly. But, hey, guys, been a great show. We're going to have more information about All Elite Wrestling. We'll, we'll report it like we always do. I apologize tonight, guys. I was a little bit tired. And I also realized I have these new glasses. They're bifocals. And I'm still getting used to them. And they're giving me – they gave me a headache all day. So I was like, what is doing this to me? I think it's that. It might just be the fact that I'm just depleted of energy. I have no idea, but I will make it. And next week, I will not stumble the whole entire time and hope that Chris can uh, save me. Um, but he did a great job. Chris, thank you so much. Say goodbye to the good people tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It was a great show. Uh, can't wait to talk about Royal Rumble and WrestleMania next week. You guys make sure you tune in. You can hit me up at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. And uh, you guys have a great week. And thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, check us out, gvnation.com, for all of our news and our, our, our social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. All the information 
for our, you know, iTunes, our Stitcher, and our Blog Talk account is also on there. So, guys, just listen up. Have a wonderful evening. Listen back next week for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Have a good night. Peace out. And the Geek Buys be with you. And that's the bottom line. Just don't go Sesto. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.